Welcome to episode five of Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Knit. We're very excited to share with you some wonderful winter goodies, namely marshmallows, what has become a family favorite. And we'll also talk looking back at Christmas knits and forward to what's coming up in January knitting wise. So lots of good things to share. Very excited. So Booty, do you want to start us off with a little bit about marshmallows? Bossy started this tradition of making her own marshmallows and giving them with a tin of hot chocolate. We really like the Williams and Sonoma hot chocolate. Really good. But it's expensive. It is. So this came out of thrift in part. Well, I should say I had a a friend of mine who made homemade marshmallows and I, I didn't even know you could do that. And she shared the recipe with me. So then I started making homemade marshmallows and they became a huge, big hit. But if you go into Williams and Sonoma, they do sell artisanal marshmallows. I priced them just to make myself feel good. I think they were maybe $14.95 for a dozen of them. And this is math, but booty... A dollar something a marshmallow. And they're really easy to to make yourself. There are a lot of candy recipes that can be hard to make because the temperature has to be just right. And if it's too high, then you get brittle candy. If it's too low, then you get soup, candy soup, which is delicious. But the marshmallows (laughs) are not that hard you have to use a candy thermometer yeah that's pretty much a given true but it's not that hard to get it right i think that you can be a degree off here or there and it's still going to come out fine yeah i think it's more forgiving than most recipes and so i think i first shared them with you and then you started making them too yes but we discovered that I used the Ina Garten recipe and you used Martha Stewart, right? I used the Martha Stewart, which they're slightly different, not by much. They're definitely the same ingredients and you're, so you're basically boiling water, sugar, corn syrup, salt to 238, 39 degrees. It gets a I, soft I think it's two, 240, 238 to 240. It varies a little bit. But that that's nice. You, you have a little bit of margin there, like you said. Right. And you do want to put it in a pan because it's going to boil up. So you want a pan with fairly high sides. Right. That part is you're, you're not really doing much. You can stir it before it starts to boil. But once it starts to boil, you're just letting it oil on the stove yeah you really shouldn't stir it once it starts stir it to Mm -hmm. mix together the ingredients but once it's kind of heating up you can swirl the pan but you don't actually want to stir it i'm not exactly sure why but all of the recipes say not to stir it once it starts boiling i don't know if it changes the temperature dynamic to stick a spoon in there and stir it or 
if any of our listeners know why, mm. let us know. You can email us. Let us know. Booty or we can just go on gmail.com. Yes. Or we can just go on <laughs> speculating because we're yes. good at that. <laughs> so if you don't want us to go on, yeah, we are good at that. <laughs> but so once you get it to, to that soft boil stage, I think it's a soft boil stage, then you're, while you're doing that, you're going to soften your gelatin. So gelatin is actually an animal product and that's why marshmallows are not vegan or vegetarian. I have to say this is not my favorite part about the marshmallow recipe. I do know that you can get some vegan gelatin. I think it's made out of red seaweed or something. I've always just bought the Knox little packets it's a little smelly to me. It does smell like animal products. And you probably don't want to know what the animal products are. I think it's skin, ligaments, and crushed bones. Right. So yummy stuff. It's probably the most non-vegan product that you That's could true. ever get, actually. Right. That's probably true. Well, and it looks kind of gross. I mean, we're really selling this here. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're you're dissolving your gelatin in water, and then once you've got your sugar to the right temperature, you're pouring that into the gelatin, and you're hopefully mixing it with the KitchenAid mixer. Bossy, do you want to yeah. say anything? The, well, that, that was my Merry Christmas <laughs> disaster. Okay, so our listeners will recall. That our one listener being mom. Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> our one listener will recall that we advocated making Aunt Betty's rolls. So on Christmas Day, I was making Aunt Betty's rolls because I was going to make a bunch of sweet rolls for Christmas morning. And I admit, I think I've mentioned that I am known as the appliance abuser. And I was probably putting a little too much making too big of a batch. And I did notice that my KitchenAid mixer was laboring a little bit, <laughs> but we were so close to being uh. finished. And then it just stopped. Uh. And I thought, oh, shit. And, but then I thought, well, maybe I had this vague recollection that there was uh, some kind of fuse or something that if it got too hot, it would automatically turn off. So I unplugged it and then I waited for a Christmas miracle. And <laughs> about an hour and a half later, I plugged it back in. I finished the dough hand kneading myself and I plugged it back in and I turned it off and there was no Christmas miracle. It did uh, not go back on. The Christmas miracle was that your husband figured it out. Yes. So we have to order a fuse. And my particular one did not have that feature, which it should have, given that it's owned by the appliance abuser. <laughs> they should know. Yeah. Anyway, so you put the gelatin, you try not to think about what it's made out of. You try <laughs> to focus on the health benefits of strong Call nails. Yeah which is the parts of the animal that it's made out of. But right. don't think about that. Just soften your gelatin. 
And then once you've got that boiling sugar, corn syrup, water, salt mixture up to 240, you carefully pour it into the gelatin mixture on low speed. And then once it's mixed together, it'll bubble up really violently because that's the nature of adding the the hot sugar mixture is it, when you pour it. Once again, if anybody knows why, <laughs> let us know. But it'll don't bubble up. Usually, have that bowl. happen. Oh, I do. I don't oh. actually. I don't start my mixer until after I pour it. I pour it in oh. and then I turn it on. Oh, I usually I turn the mixer on low and then add the syrup very slowly. Yeah, mine bubbles up because I don't add it that slowly. I add it pretty quickly. So, so yeah, you're you're fine. kind of a stingy baker, and then you're yeah. I don't know what the word quick for and that dirty, is. quick and dirty, quick and, dirty. and stingy <laughs> on the yeah. other side. Yeah, because I need to get back to my knitting. And so mm. I have things to do. Well, and it looks pretty gross once it's that mixture is at first, it looks like dirty dishwater and you think this can't be right, but add your flavoring vanilla, or I tried recently peppermint and start now, the mixer. I going usually, in. okay, booty. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, going to have to interrupt here. <laughs> here because we go again. Usually, I know this is the <laughs> podcast about two sisters fighting about recipes <laughs> that they're kind of recommending, but not really. You actually, and I do think this is based on science, you want to wait until the last, say, minute or two of whipping it to add either the vanilla or the peppermint or whatever flavoring, because if you're adding it to something really hot like that, it's going to denature and evaporate. So I yeah, do know that is that's a why, point of science. Yes. Okay. That's true. I like to add it quickly because it's so icky. <laughs> and then when you smell the vanilla, you think, oh, everything's no, going to be okay. <laughs> Now it smells less like dehydrated pigskin. Yeah. Yeah. So you could do it then and then do some more later if you want. (laughs) So you keep the flavor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's true that my peppermint was very subtle, but I liked that. Yeah. I thought it was uh, good to be a little more subtle. subtle. I think on the vanilla, though, you want to be pretty generous. Yeah, and I think Ina's recipe calls for, I think it calls for maybe a tablespoon of vanilla for just and a if single you wanna, recipe. If you want to hear our take on vanilla, then you want to listen to episode three. You can look in the show notes. You can too. look in the show notes. I feel like the marshmallows are kind of like the vanilla. Once you know how to get your vanilla beans and make your own vanilla, you won't go back. You always have vanilla. It's magic. And that's the same for the marshmallows. They're just so much better than the store-bought ones. I think they're better than the ones, the gourmet ones that are dollar a piece. Well, even the gourmet ones are probably not terribly fresh. 
the the only downside like sometimes you get these artisanal ones that look like a snowman or they have some kind of decorations and all that that's kind of hard to do with the homemade ones because they're softer they don't have whatever coating it is on the outside that i don't know how they get that but they're maybe because they're not as fresh so they're more dried out or whatever that they're kind of hard to harder to work with it's true though it it is something that it's not really probably the first time you make it it's going to seem like a big deal but actually start to finish just making the marshmallows probably takes maybe 30 to 40 minutes it probably takes like 10 to 12 minutes to heat up the sugar syrup to the 240 degrees and then you've got another about 10 to 12 minutes of mixing you know you want to use your whisk attachment and it's also fun because it is kind of a miracle how you start off with something that looks like dirty dishwasher. And then before your eyes, it will turn into this delicious, shiny, white, fluffy stuff. Right. Um, you know, it, it you'll is. have to fight your children off from <laughs> sticking their dirty fingers into it. Um, <laughs> well, and yeah. one time my mother-in-law was visiting and she filmed the pouring out of the marshmallows from the bowl. Cause it, it's just this wonderful marshmallow fluff flows yeah. out like, like lava, but not, not that hot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, and like, it is, it's like this sort of miracle transformation. It's like taking a piece of string or yarn and turning it into a garment. It's like, it, it's totally transformed and it's kind of like magic. And then, Everybody's response to it, too, is just very gratifying. But we should yes. talk, though, about that it's actually easy to make the marshmallows. I would say where the work comes in. So what you want to do is take a piece of parchment paper, and I spray it with Pam, not the person. <laughs> that sounds a little weird, but it's important because if you don't do that, the marshmallow can really stick. But then what you do is you put the Pam on and then I actually sprinkle with a sieve powdered sugar and I completely cover it. I put it on a baking sheet and I don't worry about if it's not within a square because I'm going to cut it in squares anyway. Mm -hmm. But I put it on a baking sheet and then you sprinkle more powdered sugar on the top, and then you want to let it sit. I actually usually let mine sit for a good day just to dry a little bit, and and then you cut it into strips, and then I usually roll the strips in powdered mm. sugar, and then you cut the strips into squares, and then you roll. So every cut surface needs to have a little dusting or be rolled in powdered sugar. So, so it doesn't and then you stick to wanna, each other. Yeah, because anything that isn't is going to stick to it. And it is a sticky mess. And here's the other thing. What is, Booty, what is the great enemy of marshmallow cutting? It uh, is water. Oh. Because, so you've got this big sticky mess and you're cutting it. You you can spray a little bit of Pam if you want on the knife, but you're cutting it and then you're rolling it 
and your hands get really sticky and everything in you is going to want to wash your hands, but do not resist (laughs) because you you will think, well, I will wash my hands and I will dry them very carefully. You will Mm -hmm. not. There will be something there that will be wet and that will mess up your marshmallows. So Mm -hmm. you have to commit to chopping them up, rolling them, I usually put the ones that I've rolled in the sieve and then I shake them out just to kind of get the extra stuff off. And then you have to kind of do the whole thing at once, because if you start wash your hands or clean up, it's going to degrade your marshmallows and it will be a disaster. So it's actually the, the rolling of it and the cutting them up that actually kind of takes more time. I've yeah. never done though. You, you've actually cut them up into shapes. Do you want to talk about? Well, you can cut them into other shapes and I've used a heart shaped cookie cutter, a small one, because of course, I mean, who doesn't love a huge heart shaped <laughs> marshmallow, but it is tough to do that. And, and mainly because you're going to wind up with a lot of excess marshmallow that is a waste because it's a weird shape. Although your children will be very happy to eat any weird shaped excess pieces. And you can use that. You can melt that to make Rice Krispie treats if you want to, or you can put that on top of your hot chocolate and use one of those torches. A friend of mine gave me a really good one. It's huge. The kids really, I mean, so they love the marshmallows and then they love the blowtorch. To yes. roast the marshmallows. So, but a Excellent. small one works well too. You can use either one. But yeah, so it, it, once you, ro- you roast it on your hot chocolate or whatever, it doesn't matter what shape it is. So it's not as pretty to give as a gift. Don't waste your misshapen marshmallows. And the other thing I do is after I've cut them up into squares, I actually put them in a Ziploc bag. Eventually, I put them into those little glassine gift bags. But before, when I'm just trying to kind of get them into off the counter, I'll put them into a Ziploc bag and I kind of lay them flat so that they're not all on top of each other. And then I have a whole separate bag of pieces that for family consumption. They're really a year round treat. So you can do for Valentine's Day, heart shapes. Mm-hmm. I'm calling mine pink peppermint puffs. Yes. Does that seem, well, sound like Kleenex? <laughs> Maybe a little. Rethink that. <laughs> Not the peppermint part, though. How about Save by the peppermint patties? Pink yeah. peppermint patties, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Probably Williamson Sonoma has their hot chocolate on sale now, which comes in beautiful red tins appropriate for both Christmas and Valentine's Day. So this yeah. would be a very nice yeah. gift. I, like I said, I double Ina Garden's recipe and I would say it makes probably about five bags of 12 to give away for gifts, um, you know, and decent size, good, big, chunky marshmallows. Right. You don't, don't want to be stingy booty. <laughs> Well, you know where I get stingy is with the chocolate because the 
tin says to use like five heaping tablespoons for one cup of milk. And that just seems like a lot. I mean, depending yeah. on how strong you want it, 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 I think the French would say that's about right. We did learn that the Williamson Sonoma chocolate is guitar chocolate, but Bossy says you can't just go out and use guitar chocolate chips because it's not the same thing. Yeah, I think the chips have a stabilizer in it. Well, also, I did try and make my own hot chocolate. And I have to tell you, I, I got big chunks of chocolate and, you know, A, shaving hot chocolate actually takes a long time. It's not really something you can do very easily in a machine that I know of, because like if you put it in a Cuisinart, it does it too fine too quickly. So you, you can either get smallish chunks, but not small enough, or you get powdered. And the other thing is you can start with this giant bar. It doesn't make a lot. It reminds me of Remember that old, the Bob and Ray episode where the guy makes his own iodine and he's like, well, I took two tons of seaweed to get this one bottle of iodine. And the guy's like, well, how much does that cost? You know, and it's like, well, a dollar 89. I saved a dollar 89. He had to get a train and he had to ship it. Ship the two tons of seaweed. Yeah. So after that, as much as I am thrifty, I figured out that you focus your thrift on the making of the marshmallows and you suck it up and buy the nice tin of of hot chocolate. And it is good. Yeah. And it is hot cocoa has, it's powdered and also has milk powder because it's designed to just add water. So the, the hot chocolate, you, know, you have to add milk, but that I think is the much richer dessert. So in coloring wise, so with my pink peppermint patty puffs, Puff. yeah. <laughs> TBD, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I put in some red food coloring just to make, not to completely make them pink, but to give them like a swirl. So it would be sort of oh, the yeah, Florentine really... paper. Mm. Yeah. So you get a little snazzy. You can, you can get creative with how you put the color in the marshmallows and for uh 4th of July sometimes if if you want to do s'mores i would recommend putting your marshmallow on your a graham cracker or digestive if you like a chocolate mm. covered digestives really good and i would say roast it with your torch rather than trying to put it on a stick and roasting it directly in a fire just because they are softer than the store-bought ones. So they do tend to kind of get gloppy. But what I like to do for 4th of July is to add just red and blue food coloring to the top. Once I pour it in the pan, I add a few drops of red, a few drops of blue, and then I swirl those around so you get a nice sort of 4th of July. But it doesn't go all the way down through the marshmallow. So it's really just on one side, unless you want to mix half of your marshmallows with blue food coloring, half with red. And that just seems like a pain. Yeah. Well, and you do have to, if you're going to do that, you need to, to do that coloring right when you take it out of the mixing bowl, because it will harden up 
pretty quickly. I mean, it'd still be soft, but you, you can't really mix anything after that point. Exactly. So good year round treat. I did have a friend of mine pass along marshmallow recipe that instead of the water in it that you put in to soak the gelatin and you put a little water in the, in with the sugar syrup, you use beet juice. And I was very excited about, I thought that was kind of interesting. I tried it. And first of all, the beet juice, she she actually juiced the beets for me in her Acme juicer, just like right out of Wiley Coyote. And it was this beautiful ruby red color. But then once the marshmallow got to full size, it was this weird, dirty bubble gum mauve grandma's nightgown color. I don't, it was not 80s marshmallows. <laughs> 80s marshmallows. And then when you taste it, it tastes like beets. I mean, I was kind of under the impression that the, the juice was just for coloring, but it tastes like beets. And my husband was, ooh, this is like putting a Brussels sprout in the middle of a Snickers bar. I mean, I don't know who... <laughs> Who wants this? <laughs> you know, I, I heard one time that you could do as an April Fool's joke, you could put a Brussels sprout and cover it in chocolate. And so people would think it was like a chocolate truffle. So mm. this is like the April Fool's version of marshmallows. This is delicious. And mm. I don't know what you would use them for, like, other than maybe if you wanted to do roasted sweet potato with beet marshmallow. I, I just... It, it, not everybody it, wants the savory version of marshmallow. Not, not everybody wears a, <laughs> acrylic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm. So that was another disaster. So I, I, I'm trying to save you from going down that path. Um, yes, I appreciate yes. that. So try the marshmallows. Let us know how it goes. In terms of knits, you want to talk about your yay success? <laughs> well, I made, I was working on this big project for Mom the Bomb. Hi, Mom. It's by this designer I really like. I found this book in, I think when we were in Flagstaff, Arizona, in a local knit shop. I think she's from around there. Her name is Yumiko Alexander. And this was Modern Deco 10 Stylish Designs. And this was called Tulip. It is for intermediate, mm. which is me. Yes, you remember the brioche <laughs> disaster experience. <laughs> and it's this, uh, I guess it's, my mom called it a ruana, which is kind of like an open poncho, I think. It's kind of short-sleeved. It's very loose. It's got this, but it's got this wonderful lacy tulip pattern down the back and then on either side. And I ended up using Juniper Moon Zoe yarn, which was 60% cotton and 40% linen. And I have that yarn. I have enough to make this. And I have the pattern. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. I, and I just, ugh, I loved it. I loved the how it came out. The color is gorgeous. The lace is beautiful. It just looks fabulous. 
Well, and I, I thought it'd be a good color for mom. And I like loose fitting things and you can wear a long sleeve shirt under it, or you could wear it in the summertime. I mean, I think she's actually got sort of a tank top under it in the picture. And so it's got that panel down the back and then on either side of the front, it's got a, a sort of section of that tulip pattern. I think you knit it from the bottom up and you do the panel first and then you add on the sides. It's just a plain stitch on either side. And it, it's a nice lace pattern because it's unlike other lace patterns where you have to pay attention and move your marker. You, you don't have to do that. It You can memorize it pretty quickly so you know where you are in the pattern, which is always a benefit for me. And you had to add on the, the sides after you made the panel, but it wasn't very hard. You use pretty big needles. So I did the back pretty fast, but the front, you start from the top down on the front. And so you're joining it at the shoulders and then it's getting wider. It's like two big triangles and then you stitch up the sides. And I was feeling like I was going to make my deadline initially, but <laughs> then I noticed that it was taking me longer because I was adding stitches and it was getting wider and wider at the bottom. So I did not make it to mailing it to mom, the bomb by Christmas, which was not, that was the, the Christmas fail. It took me forever to weave in the ends. I hate how I do that. I always say I'm going to weave in the ends as I go. I never do. And then it takes me way longer. And the whole time I'm cursing myself. So, <laughs> so it was a mix. I it was a, it was a success. I love the way it looked. Didn't get it there on time. That's okay. We had a delayed Christmas because <laughs> my daughter announced Christmas morning that she had COVID. So hmm. we had to postpone. So, so we had the COVID okay. Christmas, the broken KitchenAid mixer Christmas, the late yeah. present for mom Christmas. I have to say it started with the crooked tree. We waited to the last minute and my son and I went out and got a tree. I got a migraine while we were in the Home Depot picking up the tree. <laughs> it was like, okay, this one seems good. Let's go. And so the tree was completely, there was no way to really make it straight. <laughs> it was totally crooked. I'll put a picture. It was funny. And then my daughter had COVID that morning. So there were a little, few little hiccups. But, and unfortunately, at least you finished. I am still working on my son's sweater, which might be my daughter's sweater because oh. <laughs> it was. Wah, wah, wah. Um, it's a beautiful yarn. It's a beautiful pattern. I don't know what happened with the swatch. I have not wet blocked it yet. So I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that if I wet block it, it'll widen because somehow I was aiming for a 40 inch sweater. And I think I got about a 34 inch sweater. Didn't your daughter say it was perfect for if you were knitting for a stick bug? 
So, so yeah, she said it looked like a stick bug, but that was because the stockinette had kind of rolled in on itself. So yeah, the whole thing, it just really is not quite as, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope. We'll see. It's a really pretty design and my, my daughter does love it. So at least it won't go to waste, but I'll have to make another one for my son or maybe a different pattern. The pattern called for Brooklyn Tweed, which is a rustic, well, it's not a superwash. And okay. I was using Dreaming Color Superwash. And it might have something to do with that, that it just isn't the same thing. So I did worry about that. I always, I mean, I know you can go on a website and get comparables and stuff, but it is always a little dicey even when you do a a swatch i mean they say to measure your swatch before and after you wet block it which i did but it's who knows i don't know what Mm. so that's looking back looking forward well i just want to say that once again these are all things that we share in the hope that you are now feeling better about whatever projects (laughs) you had for Christmas because there's nothing like pressure knitting as I was frantically trying to finish this and saying, why didn't I start this earlier? You know, (laughs) I would say that in terms of the gifts that I gave that were knitted, probably the little birds had the best reception because (laughs) they were just funny and they, and they didn't take that long. They were, and that's another one. I feel like kind of like the marshmallows, you could have birds all year round. You don't need to have just winter birds. So they were fun. The other little bit of Christmas absurdity was I, you know how I'd made the one bunny and I had shared it with my mother-in-law who said that she wanted one. So I thought, okay, I, I can make her a bunny, even though, as you know, there are many pieces to the bunny and stuff. So I made another bunny. And then for some reason, it's a gray and blue. But for some reason, I thought it would look good with brown pants. Like, <laughs> so I made brown pants well, for rustic. it. Yeah. I, I think I had this idea of it was a, a country peasant bunny that I was giving. Yeah. So I put on the brown pants and I thought, those pants don't go with the bunny or the bunny (laughs) sweater. So then I had to make another pair of blue pants for the bunny. I mean, who makes two pairs of pants for a bunny? I mean, the bunny (laughs) does not care, but apparently I did. So this bunny now has a blue pair of pants and a backup pair of brown pants. Um, Yeah. 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 In case of the blue ones get ripped, some kind of farming incident, you know, didn't, Peter Rabbit, he lost his jacket. When That's they, true. The, yeah. So yeah, there you go. That could happen. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so that's just like Christmas idiocy. But <laughs> and I mean, the whole time I'm knitting it, the... I'm thinking I don't have time to knit this bunny another right. pair of pants. Right. It's already yeah, taking you, too long. Yeah. Yeah. You get in this sort of stubborn circle of doom. There you yes. But, well, uh, so that's looking back. What are we doing to look forward to? Well, we'll see if I am knitting possibly another sweater for my son. 
Marie Green has a January knit along and I do really enjoy her January knit along. She, she does three big knit alongs. So she does a four day knit along in July, which she's very well known for. That's a quick knit that you can generally get done in a few weeks, not necessarily four days, but or two or two years, years in my case. <laughs> Her January one is a much longer knit along. It's you really get into the techniques. And this year it's Bavarian stitches. So it's a cardigan that is knit in the round top down with Bavarian twisted stitches. And then you steek it. And I, I have steeked one thing before a cowl. But I haven't done a lot of steaking, and I, I certainly never steaked a whole cardigan. So I thought it would be fun what to is, do. What and is steaking? I don't, I don't even really know what that is. So in generally speaking, whether you're doing color work or cable, it's easier to do it in the round because you can see the right side the whole time. So when you steek it, you put some stitches in the front and then those are sort of holder extra stitches. And then you cut all the way up through those stitches and you may have a cardigan. You take your tube and you just cut one side of the tube and there's your cardigan. And she does have the swatches actually knit that way. Like you knit the swatch in the round and then you cut it. And you can have a nice coaster or, or something. How do you finish the edges after you cut it? You actually do the finishing before you cut it. So you sew up the both sides with usually on a sewing machine or with a needle and thread, like a back stitch. Or you can okay. uh, crochet up the whole side. And then when you cut it, it's really well secured. She's recommending more of a rustic yarn it, it generally you'll have better luck with it staying put if it's a non superwash yarn mm. she says you can use a superwash yarn and it i think the thing that i that i seeked before was a superwash and it seemed to be fine and then once you do that your once you cut it your stitches just kind of magically fold into the inside and you can put a piece of bias mm -hmm. tape on there and sew that on if you want to you could do something really snazzy with a ribbon or something that uh, it's not going to show so right but you'll know it's there so mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah and uh, she also includes recipes like she's has a recipe for how to make pretzels of course and she actually went to munich to research everything and to kind of take us along on the journey it's a whole big thing if you're a member of the knit camp then it's included in your membership otherwise i think it's 99 dollars. so it's a lot for one pattern, but you're getting a lot with it. You're getting a lot of tutorials. You're getting a lot of help with her 
team of people that'll that'll really guide you the whole way through. So it's it's really like a workshop. And if you think about it, if you go to one of those knitting workshops, they're generally around a hundred dollars anyway, at least. Okay. So this is a bargain. How does the knit camp work? Is that like a a yearly membership or right? Yeah. So that's a yearly membership. I'm not sure what it costs right now, but I think it's really worth it because it's sort of like Facebook for knitters. You have this whole big community and you really get to know the people. The people are way more responsive in knit camp than they are in Facebook. They're there to support you and whatever goes right and whatever goes wrong, they're there for you. And it really is a great group. And so you get the January workshop. You also get the July four-day knit-along. The third knit-along she does is in October, she does a mystery knit-along, which is what I gave Bossy for Christmas. Yes, that was a triumph, actually, that (laughs) jaw, yeah. That was, yeah, I I wore that the other day, actually. I love that. Yeah, it was really fun to do there. And I have to say, I knit things way faster when it's a knit-along because you see everybody else's progress and it kind of motivates you. I really enjoy oh, that. It's very cool. Yeah. Well, that is a thing that I really love about knitting is there is a community. When I was in Atlanta for a conference this fall, I went into a knitting store called Craftivity. There was this guy there, this kind of a big African-American guy with dreadlocks and he was helping these older women and they clearly knew him well. Um, I remember they kept saying, Vincent, can you help me with this? And I, (laughs) I told, and he was very helpful, very nice to me. And just, you could see there was just a really good vibe to the, to the store and people, you know, a woman came in and he said, Oh, I'm glad to see you're up and around, you know, how did your surgery go? So clearly a very supportive, nice place. And then Booty, you told me afterwards that that was actually Vincent Williams. So yeah, so Bossy goes in there and meets Vincent Williams, who is one of the knit stars. So two years ago, he was a knit star and he's fabulous. It's really great work. Yeah. And just a super nice guy, you know, helping all of these customers in the store. And they clearly, you know, had a great regard for his expertise. And he was, he was just great. I I could see why they wanted to hang out there, but there was just a real sense of community in there. And it was really great. And that was the store where I bought that yarn for you for Christmas. I love that yarn. It's a unique sock weight yarn. So you can, it's so brilliant because you can have two matching socks if you choose to use that. That's self-striping if you choose to use it that way. Or I'm thinking about a Musselboro hat, which is kind of a two hats in one. So you could do the stripes going one way and then the other way. Oh, that's very cool. Exciting things in the works. Mm -hmm. If any of you are horse enthusiasts. 
I say that because our sister has a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so she listens. you to listeners out there, Vincent Williams was studying to be an equine therapist. And then he found knitting. So you too, if you're looking to have a horse career, you could be a knitter instead. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably much cheaper. And you can wear things as opposed to you can't really wear a horse yeah well you could make stuff for your horse you know how they have the crocheted things that they make for the heads and the ears yes yes but (laughs) i think we've come to our end of looking back and looking forward thank you for joining us for another session another episode of booty and bossy eat drink knit and be sure and check out our website bootyandbossy.com where we will post the recipe for marshmallows with some instructions and some pics of our latest knits and whatever you do don't, don't knit, knit like, like my my sister, sister. <laughs>